Welcome to the geek to geek podcast, where we actually don't have any idea what we're doing yet. So bear with us. I'm Beej. <laughs> he missed his cue, guys, and I'm Void. Today we're talking about, you know, we're not actually going to do a long intro. Let's get right into our topic, because we like that when we listen to podcasts. Today, we're going to talk about subjective value of games, which is something that we've been talking about a lot lately, just when we've been talking to each other. And it kind of came up because <laughs> Firewatch and Superhot, really, to lay it all out for you. I bought both of these games within like a week of each other, two weeks of each other, something like that. And they're right around the same price point. They're about 20 bucks. And Firewatch is a game that totally blew me away. Like it was it was so good that I bought it for actually bought it for Beige and made him play it. <laughs> yeah, and I can't thank you enough for that again. Oh, that was okay. one of the best afternoons I've spent in a very, very long time. And that's that's the thing that's weird about it is it's a one afternoon game, right? It was like 20 bucks and it was four hours for my playtime. What were you at? I was right at five, I think, because I ended up going and leaving it running while I went and made lunch. I didn't even bother logging out. I went, had lunch and came back. So Steam is showing about six hours. But I know there was time where I was just sitting there where my character was just standing around doing absolutely nothing. But it feels like it was worth it to me. Like, I, I don't regret any of the money I spent. I would have paid more for that game after playing it. Every bit of it. You having done that, I keep trying to find something to repay you back for that. Just to try to get you to play something that is that awesome to, to <laughs> because you gave me that experience. Well, we can't control game release dates, unfortunately. Mm. But, I mean, so right after that, Superhot came out. And it's another game where it was about 20 bucks. It was an indie dev, and I, I liked the core concept of it. Um, and it's solid. It's, it's a first-person shooter and basically it's like always having bullet time time only moves when you move which is a really interesting core mechanic and it's fun like the the quality of it is fun but i guess i sat down with the expectation that it would be a bigger game or a longer game or have more of a point and when i finished it it was like two hours. It was like a two-hour session, and I just felt totally oh. ripped off. And I, I told you about this earlier, but it's just kind of weird how subjective these things are. You know, they're both games that I played in one sitting, and one I would gladly pay more for, and I bought another copy for you. And right. Super Hot gave me the complete opposite feeling. And I wonder if it was genre in anything with that too. I don't I haven't played Super Hot yet, but is there a lot of a narrative going on in it? That that was the Firewatch was such a wonderfully story-based game that I was so invested in it that I loved it. But with Super Hot being more mechanics-based rather than narrative-based, do you think that had anything to do with the value that you felt with it that was there a story to go along with the gameplay? There is and it was, I think that was probably the biggest letdown. I mean, you might be onto something there because okay. Firewatch, you're right. It was, it was a really good narrative experience. Um, Superhot has this like, it's almost like a cyberpunk overlay to it. Oh. Um, you have to go into, like you, you boot up the game, but then it kicks you onto like another like 90s computer screen 
you know, almost like an MS DOS yeah. thing where you have to like click through to different things and you launch like super hot is a game within the game. And oh, okay. And like in in concept, it sounds interesting, but it totally missed the mark with me. I didn't like that part at all. I only liked the gameplay. And I completely get that. For me, it's a story. Story is everything right now. It's it's I'm not a big first person shooter fan. I'm waiting on Super Hot to drop down into a Steam sale whenever the summer sale comes along and I can probably pick it up for $7.99. I'll be all about playing through it for a couple of hours and really really destroying uh destroying an afternoon with it, but not not for twenty. But right. Well, and there's like, it seems like everybody has their magic number these days, right? Especially with PC gaming and Steam sales. There's like, there are these games where, well, this is what I fall into. I have these huge AAA games that I know I'm going to buy on day one. And then I have all of these other games that I will buy when they are on sale. And I know that eventually they're going to be, you know, if it's a $60 game, I know it'll get under 20 bucks. If it starts as like a $30 game, it'll get under $10. Uh Uh-huh. And that's exactly how I buy games, too. I can't think of a AAA game right now that I'm even planning on buying at release. After I thought Final Fantasy XV might be it, but after hearing the things about the demo through it from from you and from a couple other people, it doesn't seem as as wonderful. It doesn't feel like a $60 game to me right now. I'll pay the 20 when it comes out, uh, when it gets into a greatest hits and I eventually get a PS4. But it's that's one of those that I'm looking at. And then you have games like Nintendo where, you know, they never drop in price and they're just what they are. I actually I saw in the last week or so, Nintendo finally announced that they're going to do like a I think it's called Nintendo Selects. It might be something different, but it's basically like um, specifically chosen games that they're finally dropping down from $60 to 20 So even they are what? coming around. I know, right? It's like they're finally coming around to the times. I had no idea. I have complete. I feel like I've been living under a rock since that kit that was announced. I had no idea about that. It's very recent news. We're at a weird spot in the industry where like sixty dollars has such a different value to different people. Like, yep. and I think I've mentioned this to you before, but sometimes I will buy a sixty dollar AAA game and know that I'm only going to spend eight hours with it and be okay with that. Like, I was looking at. Far Cry Primal, right? I almost bought that on launch day. And at this point, I'm probably going to wait a while. But if I had pulled the trigger, I knew that I was getting into a game that I would play for maybe three or four sittings and then never touch again. And sometimes I'm okay with that. If I know what the franchise is, I'm good with that. If I know what the, the company is or the studio who's putting it out, if there's something that is a known quantity on that one, I'm okay with. Bioshock Infinite? I was all about. I bought it on release. I think it was release weekend on Steam. I don't think it was release day. But I sat and I played through it, and I had planned on getting it as soon as I possibly could. And I was okay with it, no matter... Even if it was as bad as Bioshock 2's first three quarters were, I was okay with paying the $60 because it was a new Bioshock game and it had the potential to be as awesome as the first one. But then you have some other games where... I look at paying $60 for, say, Skyrim when I'd never played an Elder Scrolls game, and I decided, nope, not going to do that one. There was just something about paying $60 for an unknown quantity that I couldn't couldn't bring myself to do. That it happened with Skyrim, of all games. Yep, yep. 
It was Skyrim. I because I hated Morrowind. I remember being Daggerfall and Morrowind ruined me for the Elder Scrolls because I was such a JRPG fan. I was such a little Final Fantasy fanboy playing Secret of Mana and Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger that you put me in Daggerfall back in the day, and I was like, this is garbage. No one should play (laughs) games like this. I hate this. Where is my anime hair? And Where is my... No, all of this text to read. I want my giant windows with giant giant characters on them. No, and I hated everything about it. Exactly, I hate it. I still don't like meleeing in uh, in Skyrim or any Elder Scrolls game. You give me magic every day. I still hate using a sword. That's but um okay. So now that you bought it, uh, what did you buy it at? Like, what did yeah. you wait for it to fall down to in price? Uh I want to say it was around ten dollars. Actually, oh, I want to say that it was one of the Steam sales. And what do you think? Like, what do you feel about it now? Oh, I love it. Oh, it's fantastic. I'll, as Soon as the actual next Elder Scrolls game comes out, I'm going to be all about it getting uh, paying $60 for it. Uh, whenever it drops, I will be spending my 60 bucks for hundreds and hundreds of hours in uh, Tamriel. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I wonder how much is that known quantity, right? Because like Assassin's Creed doesn't change that much year to year, but I yeah. buy it. Like it's it's just Do one you- of my games like it's one of the only yearly franchises that I pay money for. And I love it every year, every year. It's it's basically the same game, but I have fun with it and I'm okay with that. I'm going to be doing the same thing with Disney Infinity at this point, Uh, getting a gift of Disney Infinity 3.0 for my birthday. I was in such a Star Wars mood. My mom bought me the starter pack with Anakin and Ahsoka and having never played one before, I wasn't going to invest that money in it myself. Somebody gave me a gift, and I've spent far more money than my wife would be happy with me uh, <laughs> spending on action figures and other things. I mean, she has two. I mean, she has all the Incredibles ones for Disney Infinity 1 nice. now as well. But we we didn't want to spend any money on it before we knew what we were getting into. But the moment we knew that we even remotely liked it, we went all in. I I am all about it. Heck, next week we get the Marvel Disney Infinity one, and I'm just giddy waiting to play with the new Captain America. It's going to be <laughs> Marvel awesome. Smash Brothers. It's going to be fantastic. Nice. Well, that's that's one of those things, too, where I know you and I were talking that we've both been busy the last couple of years. Like, I had two yeah. kids and a full-time job and supporting my family, and I only have so much free time. And you did, too, just because you've been busy yeah. professionally. And... I I dropped other hobbies in favor of keeping up with gaming because it's it's kind of my favorite hobby, right? So right. movies would fall off the list. Keeping up with TV shows fell off the list. You know, things like even just reading. I've, I'm reading less and less when I had less free time, but I kept up with gaming because it's kind of like my number one hobby. And so I'm a lot more willing to drop $60 on a game than you are probably. Right. And I'm probably way more likely to just go and spend the uh, afternoon, you know, watching uh, movies or something like that, going to the theater and having that experience just to see the brand new movie I've been waiting for and spend the 30 or $40 for the two hours I'm not going to get back. Oh, but I'll see. be like, yeah, that's... Yeah, no, you're totally right. Because I, I paid like full price for a movie once in the last year, <laughs> and it was to go see Star Wars right. on opening night. Yeah, me too. That that was exactly what happened. Uh, it felt weird paying full price. I don't do it often, 
the local theaters have a what they call twilight matinee where you get i think it's 575 for a ticket if you get it between like 4 and 530 so it is like super matinee so i i spend most of my money there we try to plan around that but but yeah it's just you prioritize what your hobbies are and where you're wanting to spend it and i do that with running shoes as well i made a conscious choice not to buy expensive video games when i started to run because I knew that every three or four months I was going to be needing a new hundred, hundred and fifty dollar pair of running shoes, and that's what was important to me to spend my money on. Right, it's so subjective because I run too. I mean, you know that, but yeah, I buy the cheapies. You know, I buy the yep. twenty dollar pairs of shoes and wear them out, and then buy another twenty dollar pair, and it's fine for me. But like, I, I, you know, I envy those other ones. I just look at them and I'm like, oh man, it'd be nice to run in that. I don't know what it feels like, but I'm sure it must be nice. <laughs> It feels like you're running on a cloud. They're the most magnificent, wonderful inventions that mankind has ever made. You you, you put on an Asics Nimbus, and I promise you that I, that was my problem, was that being my first running shoe. I didn't start with cheapies. I went straight up to the highest tier. That was what, what ruined me on that one. But it's kind it of the you, way right? that... I mean, it's worth yeah, it to you. That's absolutely. what we're talking about, is like subjectively for each person, what it feels like to pay that amount of money for whatever the hobby is. Yep. And for me, video games have fallen from when I was a kid to being the number one thing in my life, not even just my hobby, but my life as a teenager and a young adult that now I love it and I do it, but it's the bargain hobby that I have. I am, I bought a game for 59 cents on steam this weekend just because I wanted to see what it was like for 59 cents. And that's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, that it was not worth 59 cents, but it's okay. Uh, subjective value. Somebody put a lot of time into that, but I did not yeah. think it was worth 50 cents. But, you know, I feel I'll, bad about that. I do the same thing with TV and movies. You know, I, I wait for TV shows to hit the streaming service and I'll watch an entire yep. season in, you know, two nights. Like I'm already paying for Netflix and Hulu. Like I don't need to keep up every week with shows. If it's really good, it'll get critically acclaimed. My friends will talk about it, and I'll get to it in a year, maybe. And like, like right now, I'm watching through um, Agents of Shield, which I think is okay. on its third season. I think it just finished up the third, or will be finishing up the third. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm finally getting back around to it, and I'm partway through the first season, and I'm fine with that. Like you know, yep. TV is, hasn't been front and center for me in a while, but I don't know. It, was it ever? <laughs> when i was a kid but then i did video professionally for about 10 years and watching yep. tv felt like work and it changed because that was one of the things you were talking about with the subjective value is that netflix has ruined the subjective value of tv for me oh yeah because i used to be the guy who would just buy dvd sets left and right i had about three or four thousand dvds at one point in my on my shelves that's crazy and it was Seriously? worth all of it yeah i loved them i was really really lucky my family was really well off uh my, we always joke around that we were new money that uh, we don't have it anymore don't get me wrong that was before <laughs> the for the 2008 collapse but we uh we loved movies. That was my thing. I would spend the money on it, and it was great. And DVD sets were my big thing. I bought Star Trek Voyager, The Next Generation, Babylon 5, The X-Files, things like that. When DVD sets, before they figured out that $20 was a good price, not 150 My Star Trek The Next Generations that I got from my dad uh, that I have now after he passed, 
I'm never getting rid of those because I paid $150 a set for those as they oh came my out. God. That's crazy. Yeah, that's how expensive they were then. And now you look at it with Netflix, the subjective, yeah, you think it's crazy now. Just look at like, who would pay that? You yeah. crazy, crazy people. And I think that now is like, what were we thinking now, now that streaming is available? That, that subjective value at the time, it was a wonderful gift to get my dad. And now I would be out of my mind not to get him a Netflix subscription and get him Blu-rays or DVDs instead. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because you're right. It changes with the times. Like right now there are so many like free-to-play games and cash shops and even, you know, yeah. just even MMOs, which skew how you feel about a game's value because... If it's a subscription, you're paying every month. If it's a free-to-play yep. game, maybe you've bought a premium subscription or you've dropped a bunch of money one time. Like, there's so many more options for games now that you look at $60 and you're like, where else could I spend that? Like, how many yeah. little cheap Steam indie games can I buy for $60? Or how many MMOs could I buy a few things in the cash shop and be happy playing those for, you know, who knows how many hours? Yep. And or, how, or how many months of a subscription will that get me? That's going to be four months of my WoW subscription. So am I going to be playing this Call of Duty, whatever they're on now, 4 million and zombies? That uh, is that what? Is that going to get me four months out of that? Probably not. So it completely, MMOs really skewed me on that one. Well, the other thing with the current structure of Steam is that so many of us have this gigantic backlog of games and it's oh my like God, yes you we could i could buy a new game for 60 dollars, or i could just look at my steam list and how many games do you have on your steam list that you haven't touched yet you know that you already paid oh. for like you don't have to pay any more money you just sit down and double click a thing but you haven't done it yet one of my friends for christmas gave me the worst thing for my backlog it was a 3d realms like 32 pack of anthology games of old really cool platformers that i oh, love wow. and i love 3d realm games and, but it's like 32 of them that all of a sudden when i accepted this gift on steam like my library literally expanded before my eyes and i was like that's a lot of games that are on there now that i don't know if i'll ever be able to get through those much less anything else that are up it's crazy looking at it right now what well, can feel overwhelming and just like you know even if you're super excited for the new game, if you have a ton of hype for it, just knowing that you're like adding to that backlog can give this like mental weight that you carry around with you. It's really weird. It is really weird because I get the same way. Um, I have that. You're right. The mental weight. That is the best way to put it. It's like, I should be doing this. I, I've committed to something. Now, why am I not doing this and finishing it? Yeah. And I actually cleared my backlog this year which was a huge accomplishment. But I had to come up with a system to figure out how to get through all of the games. Because I was looking at hundreds and hundreds of games in my Steam backlog, plus like piles of PS3 games I hadn't touched, and all of these digital games that I had on my phone and on my Vita and on my 3DS that I hadn't gotten to yet. Like, Oh my. It was, it was this huge mental weight, and I needed a way to get through it, and I did. And I think we might actually do a whole podcast about that later because I've told you about my system and you seem intrigued yeah. by it. Oh, and it's a lovely system. I am I'm complete to, to tease what it is before we get into the to the the uh, actual episode of it. Just being able to organize what you're doing and taking the choice out of it, it because so much difference. of it is is just wasting time picking what you're doing. 
Yep. Because I'm doing that right now. This very second, I'm just looking through my Steam library as we're talking, thinking about what's going to happen when I get through, if I can get through playing with Stardew Valley, that I could play this or I could play this or, oh, I could install this. And I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed by it already. And I am not actually even going to play these games. I'm contemplating maybe playing these at some indefinite point in the future. And it's terrifying. Yes, and we will talk about that. I won't, I really want to do an episode on that. But yeah, absolutely. you went flying right past something that I think is more relevant to this topic. Stardew Valley. <laughs> yes. I paid 15 bucks for this game. I've played it for the last week and a half without playing anything else. This is the only thing I've been playing. $15. Is it the and only I've gotten thing? 30, 35 hours out of it, which is way more gaming time than I give stuff, usually, especially in a week and a half. And you started. You just started, right? Yeah, I just started. I'm looking. I have 61 minutes played right now that what? I am still so completely new to it. So what are your initial impressions then? Because you're in a better spot to talk about the first feelings than I am. $15. How are you feeling about this game after about an hour? Okay, let me preface this by saying that I actually got a refund on another game on Steam to buy Stardew Valley. That I told you I bought Portal Knights. And the idea of Portal Knights was great. But after playing it a couple of hours... The idea of Zelda meets Minecraft just was not there yet. It wasn't very fun. And I only paid $11 for it, I think, but I felt like I lost my 11 bucks out of playing those two, uh, those two hours on it. And so I requested the, a refund from Steam, which I've only done one other time, and because usually I'm like, ah, I spent the money, I'm going to play this game eventually. I knew I was not going to touch that game again. So I bought Stardew Valley, paid the extra like three bucks, or like you said, it was like $15. and it's worth every penny of it. I've played one hour of this and I'm wandering around breaking rocks and the music is just soothing. I'm like, I need to go tend my garden. I wonder <laughs> if my, I wonder if my plants that I, if I have to water my plants when it's raining outside, just things like that, that make me think about the game outside of the game or what have made me want to keep going back to it. And have you that even tried fishing yet? No, I haven't even tried. Oh I man, it's the so video. relaxing. <laughs> I haven't even figured out how to fish yet. I haven't even found the beach or anything else yet. I got to meet some dude at the beach soon, and I have no idea how. Uh, I, I guess know how we to should, refill we my should, watering uh, can. We should say what the game is. We didn't even talk. It basically, if you've ever played a Harvest Moon, um, this is like Harvest Moon without all the sucky parts in it. <laughs> I mean, that's the best yes. way to say it. It's it's the first time that a Western developer has really taken the Harvest Moon genre or setting and run with it and made it their own he stripped out all of these things that are just like grindy and annoying and get in your way and left all the parts of harvest moon that people like and if you haven't played harvest moon it's it's a farming it's a simulator i guess is the genre but it doesn't do it justice there are things to do you explore you forage you can farm you can do some fishing i mean now i'm talking about stardew valley you can do all these things you can interact with the townsfolk and like increase your social ranks with them if you're more into that and you can you know you can find someone in the town that you want to marry and try to like make that happen if you can you can participate in these town festivals or you can i mean there's a mine in stardew valley that i don't know if you found it yet but spoiler alert oh. there's a mine and there's a whole adventuring game in there. You get new equipment, you get new items, oh. you defeat monsters, you go lower and lower in this mine, and like every five levels is basically a checkpoint, but you can jump back to there the next time you come to the mine. So you're kind of uh, working okay. your way down through... It's basically a dungeon, you know? Yeah. And 
all of these games are in one game. So it's kind of like, what are you going to do with your day? You know, but it's soothing. And the, the whole game is so soothing. It is smooth and it's weird. And part of it is nostalgia for me is because it looks like a Super Nintendo game. That there is, you know, the pixel graphics, the 16-bit graphics that I just adore. But there's also just everything about it, the animation, everything. It's not rushed. I, if there's a run button, I haven't found it, where you're just wandering around and doing things. And that's what got me, that's what got me back into gaming in early, or I guess in late December, was with Disney Infinity on just doing things. These sandbox games, I just wanted to play a game that wasn't necessarily gamified. I didn't want to necessarily follow these rules. I just wanted to do stuff. I wanted to exist in this world for a while. Disney Infinity let me do that. Firewatch let me do that. Superhot would not let me do that. Uh, Stardew Valley is that. It's not even letting me do that. That is all it is. It's like, hey, yep. be here. And yeah. I, it's no, it's, I love it so far. I'm glad you're liking it. I I love it too. Obviously, I dumped like 30 hours into it this week. It's it's got a hold of me in a really good way. Um, so the other thing before we start to wrap up here, I I when I was thinking about this subjective value of games, I realized that it kind of comes down to two different questions, right? There's is a game good slash fun? You know, is this game fun? Is it good? Like. That's one thing. But then the other question is, is the game worth the money it's asking for? Because right. even with Super Hot, like I was negative on it when I'm talking about it earlier, but it's a good game. It's fun. Like, I'm not denying that. It's just not what I was expecting for the money I paid. So the other question, is the game worth it, the money? No, not to me. Not right now. But Super Hot's a good game. Like, when that falls to $10... You guys should get it. Like whoever's listening, you should get super hot and try it out. It's one of like the most innovative first person shooter mechanics I've seen in years. But I don't think that $20 for the package they're offering is worth it right now. Which if they had different game modes or anything like that, different patches, it seems almost like the way that you're describing it, it feels like an early access game that's not an early access game. Yeah, kind of. Whereas, like, Stardew Valley, is the game good and fun? Well, based on the amount of people on my Steam list playing it every single night, yes. But then the other thing is, is the game worth the money? And it's like, oh my god, so much. I can't even believe how much they're offering for 15 bucks, you know? Yeah. It, it feels like it should be, like, a 30-plus dollar game, and it's not. I'm absolutely amazed it didn't launch at least at twenty nine ninety nine. That Yeah, me too. That with the way it is, and with the target audience that it has as well, just looking at it from a marketing standpoint, these are people who, if you're going to buy this, you're used to buying this kind of game for that price for your Nintendo consoles, that you'll pay $30 for it. You're going to pay that for a Harvest Moon game anyway, and then here's a game that is, in my opinion, way better than any of the Harvest Moons because I didn't like them. I'm in a different place in my life now than I was before when I was playing the Harvest Moons, but it for half the price of what I, you know, had paid for Harvest Moons when I was younger. A third of the price, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the other thing I want to ask you about, because I see it in our notes here, but we haven't actually talked about it. When we were talking about how $60 means different things to different people, you are a professor. You are Professor Beige. If people don't know that, he he's actually a professor, which is pretty cool. Um, 
but you were talking about the trade-in value of games at GameStop and what your students feel about that. Yeah, one of the things that I've talked to, and this has been the case for years now, it's not just an isolated incident. Whenever I'm talking to the students, they're going out, you know, doing the midnight releases, getting the brand new AAA games at GameStop that they've pre-ordered, and a lot of them are then, you know, spending their time on it, but they never keep them. They play until the next new game comes in, and they're basically working on GameStop trading credit that they pay a little bit of money, which is about what you and I end up paying for Steam games when we buy one. We buy Fallout, or not Fallout, but start Firewatch, Stardew Valley, that kind of thing for 15 or $20. But I have students who are going out and trading in and have a big enough library of new games that are still on sale that they're not throwing very much money at the new games that they're playing on AAA, the AAA games. They're That's just going and trading in old games that they've already beaten and played that they ended up paying full price like the first three or four of them, maybe five. And then after that, they're working on $30 of trade-in value because it, the game has been out a month or so. That's interesting because I, I, I can't even imagine like getting rid of my game collection. I mean, yeah. I, I've moved to digital at this point, and that was, that was a whole other topic. We can talk about <laughs> digital yes. versus physical games later. But I'm all digital at this point, so it's not really an option for me. But right. even before that when i was still buying physical games all the time like when i had my 360 was my main console when that was still the case yeah i still have a giant stack of 360 games they're right over there i know right where they are like i can't imagine getting rid of my game collection unless i had another way to play them already you know like and i'll do that sometimes if i have a physical game and i played it on 360 and i see it on steam for like five bucks because it's an old game i'll buy it on steam and i might get rid of it but I don't like the idea of getting rid of my games. They're like, it's a collection, you know? Five years ago is when I started actually being able to get rid of games. I, I remember because I I needed a laptop. I needed a new laptop to go back to school. And I had just an absolute ton of old games for the Super Nintendo, for the Nintendo 64, GameCube, all Dreamcast, all of this, the original Xbox up in my attic. And I was never going to play them again. They hadn't been down since I moved back home from college. They'd been stuck in my attic, and I knew that there were games in there that I was never going to play again. I needed money. I needed a new computer. So I ended up raiding the attic and just selling so many of these games that I either could get digitally if I wanted to, like Final Fantasy VI. I was never, as much as I loved having a Final Fantasy III Super Nintendo cartridge, I was never going to pop it into my Super again. And you I was going to down now. Right. I have ways to get it yeah. now. Yeah, I have a copy of it on the GBA right now that my buddy gave me. I have I, I have it on my iPhone. I downloaded it when it came. Uh, I don't have it on there right now, but I have it on iTunes that I bought it. That I, I'll, If I ever want to play it again, I'm not going to play the old version of it. Or I'll just never play the game again at all. I have like Shaq Fu for my Super Nintendo right now that I want to get rid of and no one wants to buy Shaq Fu for the Super Nintendo. But (laughs) I decided I needed to get rid of these unless they had sentimental value. If I wasn't ever going to play again, I was going to get rid of it. If I was going to play it again, nope, I could not. But like my dad uh, had Star Fox. I have a Super Nintendo because my dad went to Sears and played Star Fox every single time we went to the mall and eventually bought a Super Nintendo so that he could play Star Fox. There is no way in the world 
that I'm ever getting rid of that Super Nintendo or that copy of Star Fox because there's sentimental value there. The same for the the Killer Instinct uh, black cartridge that my mom used to come in and fight me as Saber Wolf (laughs) and uh, when I when that came out when I was like in the seventh grade I'm never getting rid of that cartridge I know exactly where those are right this very second but if it doesn't mean something like that to me then at this point moving around so much just having so much clutter and going to digital games like you said most of my collection is digital now as well I'm trying to get to the point where I can get rid of more and more and more of my games and actually recognizing sentimentality and sentimental you know uh, yeah no i i see what you're saying i mean basically those games are worth infinite money to you like there's no way that you're going to sell them because of the sentiment but no there are other games that fall into the complete opposite category it's like yes is it even worth your time to try to sell them or should you just throw them out you know Sell them in lots on eBay. That's what I found. If okay. you sell them in lots on eBay, I just got through a round of that. If Even if they're worth no money alone, a group of 11 GameCube games that you don't think anybody wants, I promise you people want them. I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's a subjective value. They they see the value in it. That's a mm-hmm. nice way to wrap it up. So, okay, we're going to do um, Weekly Geekery, and we might have a better name for it, but that's what I have written down right now, so we're going with it. We want to give you guys recommendations every week. Um, you know, we consume media and culture and whatever. I play a lot of games. I do watch some TV and movies and read and audiobooks and other things. So does Beige. So every week we're going to try to give you a little bit of what did we do this week that we would actually recommend you check out. So for me, I'm going to actually pull from the episode today. Firewatch and Stardew Valley. Firewatch is an amazing game. It's probably the best narrative experience of a game that I've played in years. And it's about 20 bucks on Steam. Um, It's about a guy who, because of things that are going on in his life, decides to go out into the Colorado wilderness and spend a summer doing Firewatch duty. This is basically in the 80s. So there's no real communication outside of sitting in this Firewatch tower, except for your walkie-talkie that you use to communicate with your direct superior, who's in the next tower over. And that's kind of the structure of the game. And it tells this amazing narrative through you exploring the area immediately around your tower and you talking with the one other person that you actually can talk to during the summer. I highly recommend Firewatch. It's amazing. Stardew Valley, you heard us talk about it already. You kind of know the premise. It's like a good Harvest Moon by a Western developer. It's amazing. If any of what we talked about in Stardew Valley appealed to you, I can't recommend enough spending the $15. It's really cheap on Steam. It's also an indie dev. One guy made it over the course of, I think, three or four years. I think it said four. Yeah. Four, yeah. Which is crazy to me. So... Anyway, he deserves all the money and all the praise he's getting. Those are my two recommendations this week. How about you? Uh, for me, I it's not this week, but it is keeping me going like this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I found a documentary series on YouTube by Two Player Productions called Double Fine Adventure. It was around 20 episodes of a documentary uh, like that was put together like a season of television that was following from the inception to the production and release through the production and release of Broken Age uh, by uh, Double Fine Studios. Um, it is the most in-depth look behind the scenes of video game making I've ever seen. 
I mean, it goes in from, you know, hiring the concept artist and what was going on at the company to uh, as they launched a Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys know about Broken Age. I didn't actually before this, but it was one of the first multi-million dollar Kickstarter games that had uh, been around. And this documentary starts from the beginning of it, from when they hit the button on Kickstarter to when they released the final game and all the ups and downs and and game industry stuff that people like me never get to see. It was fantastic. I can't recommend geek out on video games by watching one get made from start to finish. It was brilliant. That's awesome. I got to check that out. Double Fine Adventure by a two-player productions. Awesome. Okay. The other thing that we're going to try out, I don't know if we have one this week, and I'm going to put you on the spot, but I see it on the (laughs) rundown. I run, I do a little bit of looking into what's healthy to try to get a little bit better at you know being healthy um but professor beige over there actually has a whole website called geek fitness and he suggested that we do like one minute health hacks so if i put you on the spot do you have one ready yeah oh perfect all i want you guys to do is do a push-up that's what i want you to do when you have to go pee do some push-ups do one, do two, whatever it is. You get up and you get a drink of water. Just get down on the floor and push yourself up once or twice. I promise that whatever it is, that's more than what you're going to be doing before. That kind of thing has really, really helped. For those of you who don't know, uh, check out my blog, all of that, geekfitness.net, and you can see all of this. But I lost 155 pounds by doing things like this. There's a lot We're more to it than that. that. Don't think We will, we will have yeah. an episode, I'm sure, on that later. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. That's great. Uh, I would love to. But I, what I want you guys to do is just do push-ups. Nice. Health hack for the week. Okay. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback at... Ooh, do we have an email address yet? Uh, at uh, geek2geekcast at gmail.com. That's what I was going to say if I actually had it written down. Write us there, and listener email and feedback would be awesome. Um, so, we've been Void and... Beach. Yeah, you know your own name. Good job. And yep, I do. Hey. <laughs> with the Geek podcast. Um, so let's say where can you guys find us? We didn't actually talk about ourselves that much up front. Um, I'm Void. I write almost daily, usually five days a week at agreenmushroom.com. And if you want to reach out, if you want to talk, you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's in it on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. So I'm super responsive on there. And uh, I'm on Twitter more than anything else as at Professor Beege. That's B-E-E-J with two E's. Uh, I stole the E's from his green. <laughs> and I blog sporadically at uh, geekfitness.net. Uh, but that's where I am pretty much all the time. I try to be on Instagram. I'm learning it. But uh, Professor Beege on Twitter is where I am. Awesome. And hey, this is our first podcast, so I'm not going to ask for this very often, but as a very first episode, I've heard from other people, the best way to get people to find it is if you guys out there listening right now for our first episode can subscribe, can write reviews on iTunes or whatever your podcast app of choice is, get us some ratings, get us some feedback in those official channels, that would totally help bump us up. I'm not going to ask for that very often, but on this first episode, I am because that would be a huge help and you guys would be amazing. You are amazing and you'd be even more amazing if you did that. You are already amazing. I agree. So I think that's it. I think that's our first podcast. Good job. I'm patting you on the back virtually. 
I'm patting I myself on the high back. Five. I'm high-fiving high five. the air in your direction. I made a sound effect. That was awesome. You did. Good job. We did our best. We promise. We'll see you next week. No, Thank you. We won't see you. I guess we'll talk to we, you. We're new we'll to talk this to you next week. We're new to this podcasting thing.